This is How We See It, a look at issues that impact our faith and community. For the next few minutes, we'll explore topics with people who are making a difference in our world. Today's How We See It program features two of the speakers at the Spirit FM Catholic Women's Conference. The conference is Saturday, September 17th at the Florida State Fairgrounds right here in Tampa. Tickets are on sale now, but will close out on Monday, September 12th, so you need to get yours today. Conference details are at myspiritfm.com. In part one of today's program, we'll hear a talk by Father Mike Moore, who is one of our speakers. Father Mike produces a podcast called Seeds of Hope. I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. It's free, and you can get them wherever you download your podcast, or just simply Google Seeds of Hope with Father Mike. Here's one of his recent reflections. I hope all of us know a few people who are just filled with peace. And when you think about those people in your life, what characteristics do they usually have? Uh, The people I know, they're usually very good listeners. And when they listen, it's not in a cold, calculated, clinical way. It's warm. You feel like they care about you. And after I'm with them, if something's on my heart that's troubling me, by the way they listen, contextualizing what I'm going through, and I feel a little less anxious when I leave them. I hope that's your experience too. Well, today in this gospel passage, Jesus talks about peace. When he gives the instructions to these 72, he's going to send out wherever he's going to go visit as he's on his way to Jerusalem, He's sending them out to prepare the way. And he tells them, when you come to somebody's house, say peace to this household. If a peaceful person lives there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Now, when I heard that, when I reflected on it this week, I had one of those, you know how people say, wait, what? I had one of those moments. I can give the gift of peace to somebody else. I can give peace to them that will rest on them. I have that power through the Lord. And if they don't accept it and they're not a peaceful person or they give me something, you know, or they reject me, that peace can come back to me. It doesn't have to steal my peace away. That was a moment I thought, wow, this is quite a gift. Now, I think we're in a world today that's in search of peace. It's hard to say whether it's now more than ever because we only live now. You know, it's easy to look back in history and say, well, they had it easier there. St. Augustine used to talk about the same thing. He said, we always think it was better in the old days. That's because we didn't live then. Now, I wanna point this out. It seems to me that there's a difference between letting go and being in control. Now, being in control is not the same thing as planning and trying to live out the plan. Being in control means I'm trying to work every angle to make things go my way. The most common example that most of us can relate to is being out on the streets driving. That's pretty common from what I hear. Why is this person in front of me? How can they drive that slow? Why are these people in my way? I'm trying to get somewhere. That's all about control. And you could think of a hundred, maybe a thousand examples of how we try to control things. 
And when we try to control, it causes anxiety. And the more anxious I become, the more I try to control. It's a vicious cycle. The other way is people who are humble, people who let go and realize, you know what? Control is just an illusion. We are never in complete control. And when I can let that go, that leads to peace. I heard this phrase, let go and let God, years ago. So I tried to start doing that because I had these anxious moments. And you know what? I could never do it. I don't know how it is for you. I could never do this. Because the more I tried to let go, the more I was trying to control how that happened. It just activated my control even more. I was trying to control how I felt. I was trying to figure out how do I get this thing I'm anxious about, grab it, and, and let it go. It didn't work. So all I could do was go to the Lord and said, Lord, I don't know how to let go. If you want me to let go, because he says it all the time, he brings up peace so many times in the gospel. If you want me to live that way, you're going to have to show me how. I can't do it. And I kept praying for that. And then I noticed what I noticed in other people who tell me about when it happens to them. It's the same thing. All of a sudden, I was in some situation and I wasn't anxious. I wasn't bothered. I let go, and I have no idea how I did it. It just was a gift. I just knew in that moment, I'm not anxious anymore. That's how it comes. It's a gift that we pray for. You know who taught us how to do this so well? And he did it even at the end of his life from the cross. The very last thing that Jesus says his father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. That's just not great words for the end of a life. That's great words for every day. If I begin every day saying, Father, into your hands I give this day. Into your hands I give my spirit. It may not happen just like that, but I'm praying for that gift to stop being so controlling, to let God take over in my life. Now, you know what's very interesting? What happens here in this gospel, the instructions that he gives to the 72, this happens every Sunday at Mass. Watch this. After the consecration, after the priest says the words that Jesus said at the Last Supper, and Jesus' real presence is anew on our altar. All the prayers after the doxology, the Our Father, and all the way that we receive communion, the word peace comes up seven times. We probably don't even notice it now because we just say it every week. Notice it today, though. Seven times. You know, when the, when the priest says, he quotes Jesus, peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. And then the priest says to all of us, the peace of the Lord be with you all. And right after that, 
we give each other a sign of peace. What's happening there, what the church is asking us to do, preparing us for Holy Communion, is just what Jesus says here. When he gives us his peace, if a peaceful person lives there, your peace will rest on him. You see the connection? When you come up and I, and I receive Holy Communion in a few moments, he wants to give us this gift of peace. So whatever is on the surface level as we come up to communion, if I'm praying and disposing myself for the gift of peace, his peace will rest on you. I want to close with a prayer that I love. It's by Charles de Foucauld. Now I'm going to tell you honestly, when I say this prayer, I'm not there yet. And you may say this prayer or hear it and think to yourself, I don't know if I can say that. I don't know if I'm there yet. I still think it's a great idea to say the prayer, to want it, to want to try to have the, what he's talking about in this prayer. It's about letting go. It's about peace. Father, I abandon myself into your hands. Do with me what you will. Whatever you may do, I thank you. I am ready for all. I accept all. Let only your will be done in me and in all your creatures. I wish no more than this, O Lord. Into your hands, I commend my soul. I offer it to you with all the love of my heart. For I love you, Lord and so need to give myself, to surrender myself into your hands without reserve and with boundless confidence. For you are my Father. Amen. Again, you can see Father Mike in person at the 7th Annual Catholic Women's Conference at the fairgrounds September 17th. After this short break, we'll hear from Sister Rita Claire Yoches, another speaker for the conference. So stay tuned. You're listening to How We See It, a look at issues and ministries that are having an impact in our community and world. If you missed any of today's program, you'll find a copy on Spirit FM SoundCloud page. There's a link to it at myspiritfm.com. Now back to our program. In part two of today's program, Ellie Spada talks with Sister Rita Claire, one of our keynote speakers for Spirit FM's Catholic Women's Conference. Some of what she'll speak on is the call of women to faith and empowering them to do great things through Christ. The conference is September 17th at the Florida State Fairgrounds in Tampa. Tickets are on sale now, and you can find out more at myspiritfm.com. Now, here's Ellie Spada with Sister Rita. I'm Ellie Spada, and my guest today is Sister Rita Clare. She is the campus minister for Florida State University's Catholic Student Union. Thank you, Sister Rita Clare, for joining us today. You're welcome. Great to be here. Okay, so Sister Rita Clare, which is your order? We are the Franciscan Sisters T.O.R., Penance of the Sorrowful Mother, and we're based out of Steubenville, Ohio. Did you go to college at Steubenville? I didn't. I'm from Michigan. I went to University of Detroit, Mercy. It's a Jesuit college in Detroit. I didn't know anything about Franciscan University until I was dating a young man who took me there for a festival of praise, which is a big praise and worship event. And 
yeah, that's how I got introduced to the university. But I had no idea there were sisters connected to it. Oh, that's so neat. All right, so then kind of tell us your story. How did this all develop as to where now your sister Rita Claire? So I felt a calling. I had a reversion back to the faith when I was 23 years old. Um, mm-hmm. always went to church every Sunday, but didn't really know anything about my faith until, yeah, when I was 23, I was at Mass, and I heard the priest say, anyone who eats and drinks of my body and blood without first discerning himself eats and drinks condemnation on himself. And he was quoting um, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27. And he explained that um, we shouldn't go to receive the Eucharist if we're in a state of moral sin. And I knew I needed to go to confession for what I had done, but I was avoiding it and didn't want to go and was embarrassed. But I didn't realize I wasn't supposed to be receiving the Eucharist every Sunday. And so I went to confession probably for the first time in 10 years, probably since like eighth grade, whenever maybe the nuns had a go before <laughs> or something. Right, right. Um, and that priest told me to listen to Catholic radio as my penance. And <laughs> hopefully he didn't say Spirit FM for your penance. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. That's great. <laughs> and um, no, it was a great penance because <laughs> I um, began to learn my faith and what I believed and why I believed what I believed. So I had a 45 minute commute to work every day, and I used to just listen to rap and R&B music. And all of a sudden, I was listening to these great theologians explaining the faith and these question and answer sessions and just, yeah, learning uh, all these questions that I always had but didn't know who to ask them to. Um, I began learning it and craving it and wanting to listen to it more and more. That began my conversion. Soon after that, I learned what adoration was and started going to Eucharistic adoration as often as I could. And I began reading my Bible. I would read the daily readings for Mass every night before I went to bed. But then I felt my calling um, that next year when I was 24, my mom and I and a big group from our church went on a pilgrimage to Rome and Assisi. And, you know, I was still living like one foot in the bar and one foot in the church, like loving learning everything about Jesus, but not willing to give up like my other life too. And in Assisi, the tour guide was like, okay, in this church is the cross that spoke to St. Francis that said, you know, Francis rebuild my life, rebuild my church. And I said, yeah, right, God, if you really spoke to St. Francis, why don't you say something to me when I go pray in front of this cross in this church? And um, I didn't really believe all the saint stuff that we were learning and just thought it was weird. And so I go and pray in front of the cross. I didn't hear anything, but when I came out of the church, all of these nuns were walking out of the church and they were locking the doors from tourists so they could, the nuns could pray evening prayer. And I heard the Lord say to me in my heart, you should do this. You could do this as I was looking at the nuns. And I was like, do what, Lord? Right. Like, I don't know anyone who's done this. I didn't know people still did that. And um, do you know who I am? But it was just so real, it wouldn't go away. And I knew what it meant. So I tried to ignore it and pretend it wasn't there. But just every night before I went to bed, I just had like a tugging on my heart. And so I finally went and looked at an order close by in Ann Arbor, Michigan, the um, Dominican Sisters and Mary Mother of and yeah, my heart was open to it. I was like, okay, Lord, I'm open to marriage and religious life now that I've seen the beauty of it. But it wasn't until after dating another young man that he took me to Franciscan University. And it was there at these festivals of praises where you're doing praise and worship, adoration, and there's prayer teams. You can get prayed over afterwards that um, I received my calling like two other times. The first time they read me Isaiah 62. It says, as a young man marries a virgin, so shall your builder marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. And uh, again, when I reread that, I knew I was uh, supposed to be a religious sister. Um, 
but I just didn't want to do it. I wasn't fully surrendered yet, so I didn't tell anyone. I kept dating the guy for a whole other year. <laughs> and then and then a year later, uh, the same thing happened. As I'm getting prayed over, I felt God the Father like put his hand inside my chest and rip out all of my past sins that I was holding on to as mm. an excuse of why I couldn't become a sister. And then I saw a bride of Christ in like an image in prayer, and I just knew, here it comes, that the Lord's about to ask me to marry him. And the girls praying over me said, the Lord wants you to know that he is yours, and he wants to know, will you be his? And um, yeah, I broke up with the young man I was dating that night and just dove 100% into discerning religious life. And I found our sisters, I was praying to the Lord, like, Lord, show me the color of the veil so I know which order to look for. That's interesting. I that at Mass. And I came home and turned on EWTN on my TV after Mass, and the Franciscan Sisters TOR were on Life on the Rock on EWTN that night. And um, so that's how I was became aware of our order and looked into us on our website. And I usually would look for one thing that I didn't like, and um, they had everything that I was looking for, everything I wanted. And, um, yeah, I couldn't, couldn't deny that this <laughs> seems like a, the right place. And so I went and visited, and it felt like home. And so... And here you are. How I chose it, yeah. As the campus ministry, how long do you serve at a college campus? Is there a structured time, a certain number of years or anything? No, our assignments are anywhere between three and six years usually, but there's really no set time. As the campus minister, uh, we hear a lot, obviously, about mental health of students, especially after, you know, this past year. Do students look to you for counseling? And if they do, how do you decide when to spiritually counsel a student and when to suggest a professional counsel? Yeah, uh, I recommend a lot of students for counseling because I'm a spiritual director. And so basically my job is is to listen to them about their prayer and help them with their prayer and and listen to them about their relationship with the Lord. Uh, I almost see myself as like a marriage counselor, like I'm helping them with their relationship with God. And so if they're not praying and if they're not able to pray, especially because they're dealing with like mental illness in a very mm-hmm. you know, severe way, um, then, then I just refer and say, you know, you have to go to counseling. Like I can't help you and I'm not what is going to help you. Um, what's going to help you as a professional in this area. Sometimes I'll do, we'll do both. They'll meet with a professional and me, but oftentimes, I really, you know, steer them in that direction first. Mm-hmm. A lot yeah. of times people want to bypass the physical and go to the spiritual. Yes, I agree. It's an interesting um, way of phrasing it that you feel like you're a marriage counselor in a sense, that you're putting a relationship with Christ together with the person as opposed to trying to be this listening ear so as a campus minister, what are some of the biggest concerns that you see for students spiritually? Um, I think spiritually it's really just getting them over the hump of investing in their faith, investing in a prayer life, and trusting that that will satisfy and it will be good enough for them because maybe they've never done it yet or they haven't seen role models around them doing it. It's like a hurdle to jump over of a new thing like, really, you want me to do that? Or be one of those <laughs> you want me to sit still? Every day? Yeah. I think spiritually, that's the, a big hump. And then physically, I think, you know, their peers or what they're surrounded with in the world. And then even families, like if their families aren't supportive, then that can be a big hurdle too. Mm-hmm. What's the average age of the sisters in your order? I would say 30. Mm-hmm. So as you are a sister of the Franciscans TOR, you've given your life to Christ. How do you feel about the church and the role of women in the church? Are you 
satisfied. We know we hear, you know, different things because people who are looking at the church in its models with the Pope, the bishops, the priests from the outside in don't often understand the role of a sister, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So Edith Stein, you know, definitely reiterates that everyone has a call to holiness. And so I think man or woman, we all need to be in that vocation. Our first vocation is a call to holiness. And then how we live out our call to holiness is either going to be as a man or as a woman. And so everything we do is going to be, you know, using our gifts and our feminine genius as women in our call to holiness. So we're all called as women to be bride, to be spouse, and to be mother. And we're going to do that with the gifts of the feminine genius, which is sensitivity, generosity, receptivity, and maternity. And then what falls under that is maybe our ministry or our job or, you know, what the world would say, like, oh, what do you do? Mm-hmm. And so everything we do is going to be as woman and as mother, as bride, as a spouse. So, uh, yeah, I think religious women have such an awesome, awesome um, role in the church and in the world because in heaven we're all going to be a spouse to God. And so we religious women, that's why we wear the veil because it's a vital imagery for everyone to remind everyone that their destiny is to be a spouse to God in heaven. And we choose to live that out now and skip the sign and just kind of enter into the heavenly reality now. And so if we're living that out, then we're showing the whole world, like, you know, what is beyond this world, what their hope is for, what they're living for, and that God actually does satisfy and that he is enough. And so, yeah, I feel our prophetic role as women and as women religious is is very um, important. And then just the Lord chose a woman to save the world. I mean, a mother, a woman who conceived Jesus. And mothered him, helped save the world uh, by bringing salvation into this earth. And so I just see the role of motherhood so important in our in our world, whether it's spiritual motherhood or physical motherhood. Everyone needs that type of love, and so we have the ability to be that for everyone. If anyone wants more information on the feminine genius, there's a great book by Anne Costa called Embracing Edith Stein, and it explains um, the four parts of the feminine genius very well. All right. Well, thank you very much for spending time with us, Sister Rita Claire. And, oh, I wanted to ask one more question. Do you know where the person that you had broken up with, um, do you know what he's doing now? Yes, yes. We're still good friends. He's married and has three children. (laughs) I entered religious life August 8th of 2009, and he got married August 14th of 2009. Um, And so, yeah, he still helps out with his family business, and um, I usually see him um, when I go home. That's really cool. Well, thanks again for spending time with us. You're welcome. Again, Sister Rita will be one of the keynotes at our Spirit FM Catholic Women's Conference, September 17th in Tampa. Tickets are on sale now, but they'll cease on September the 12th. So get yours today. All the details at myspiritfm.com. For Spirit FM, I'm John Morris, and that's how we see it. Thanks for listening to today's program. This presentation and others like it are made possible by supporters like you. If you'd like a copy of today's program, make comments or suggestions, and to help us keep this important programming on the air, visit myspiritfm.com slash how we see it.